This is 3P Theory, the podcast for AEC professionals seeking to elevate their knowledge on green building strategies and practical design collaboration for sustainable mindsets, bringing you changemakers, innovators, and sustainable leaders who have positively impacted the industry. It's time to get inspired, motivated, and fired up to take action towards a greener planet. Here's your host, Mike Brown. I want to to jump into integration with the electric vehicle charging because it's a, a really interesting topic as well and how, you know, these two interact. And also just in general, you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, the growth and some of the demand and even challenges with trying to maintain that as more people start to purchase these types of vehicles, especially on the commercial side as well, you know, traveling across the country, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So kind of take us into that world and and getting a better understanding of, you know, how that makes sense from, you know, maybe even a building standpoint or a site standpoint. And then mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, kind of from a commercial asset perspective, when we get into maybe looking at retail and so on and so forth, uh, how those connections fit into the, the larger picture. Mm-hmm. No, that, th- so this is, you know, the most exciting part of, <laughs> you know, the, what I'm getting into and, and like, this is the most exciting question for me to answer, quite frankly, there's a lot of really amazing things that are happening with vehicle electrification and infrastructure and what you're capable of doing with it. I mean, I almost feel like there's new things that are being presented every day that really stretch the, the, you know, the imagination of what, electric vehicles can do or electric vehicle car batteries can do to support, you know, grid services to, to, you know, participate in resiliency and, you know, also offset demand. And, you know, I think there's, we're just starting to scratch the surface of, you know, what that is in terms of, you know, different use cases and and how electric vehicle charging can you know support uh, microgrids and how can support you know grid services? I think traditionally the way we thought about electric vehicles and electric vehicle charging is, you know, you you have a, a level two charger which typically takes about four to eight hours to you know, to charge your vehicle inside your your single family home's garage, and you know you plug it in overnight and you have a full charge and you, you drive it to work. And, you know, it sits there and then, then you, you know, get back from work and you go home and maybe you stop someplace in, in between, but, you know, you have enough range to do that, you know, and kind of taking that a step further. Now there's, you know, some level two chargers at, at grocery stores and, you know, maybe some shopping malls. There's maybe a couple of chargers in front over there. And, uh, you know, the... There's some chargers at the office and, 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 you know, with, with the growth in electric vehicles and the amount of sales that we're, we're starting to see, you know, there's not enough infrastructure to support that. And you're lucky if you get to work and you have a charger open and available to you. Typically it's, you know, reserved for, you know, some of the higher ups or, you know, it's, if it's first comes first serve, uh, you know, there's, there's that that person that likes to get in at work at you know six a.m. and and you know beats you to the punch, right? But you know what's starting to happen is you know batteries battery technology is starting to get better, which means that the capacity in electric vehicle batteries is starting to get larger, 
And, you know, if you look at, you know, the types of batteries that we're starting to see, you know, 100 kilowatt hour, 110 kilowatt hour, you know, in some cases, there, there's some, you know, 140 kilowatt hour batteries that are going to be coming to market that can offer, you know, um, you know, 600 mile range. The level two charging just isn't enough to support it. It'll take you 12 hours and not even 12 hours, 24 hours to maybe just get, you know, three quarters of a charge. And it's, it's not really convenient. And so for us, wanting convenience, being a society built on convenience, you know, we need to have the infrastructure to support that. And the way that we're able to support that is by using level three DC fast chargers, um, which can, you know, effectively charge those large batteries in roughly, you know, half an hour to 45 minutes and, and get you, get you where you need to go. The realistic idea of having a DC fast charger at home is unrealistic. You know, people will still have level two chargers, but not everyone lives in a single family home or is lucky enough to live in a single family home uh, or lucky even enough to have a, you know, a garage. And, you know, a lot of multifamily properties, you know, haven't really caught on to the value of, you know, installing level two chargers for their tenants, mainly because it really hasn't gotten to that segment of the population yet. They're starting to become a lot more affordable um, EVs on the road that, that can support that. But there's a lot of push in specific areas. I know here in Southern California and, and in California in general, there's a huge push to to be able to integrate more uh, electric vehicles onto the roads. And, you know, the goal is to have 5 million by 2030. And, you know, the state's pushing that. And they're also pushing a lot of incentives a lot, uh, through the utilities and through, you know, the California Air Resource Board and the, the California Energy Commission to help support that. And, you know, in, in other states, they do see the need for infrastructure, but they're not incentivizing it as much. And, you know, I think that the reality of our entire culture having all our vehicles electrified is very real. And the value of that on the commercial side is significant because of, you know, the variability and volatility of fuel costs and, you know, the type of uh, economic benefit and environmental benefit that electric vehicles can provide. And so when you start to see a lot more fleets uh, going electric and, you know, making pledges to not purchase any internal combustion engine vehicles, you know, it, it makes you think like, well, how, how are all these how are all these vehicles going to charge and what's the economy that's going to drive that? And, and what does that look like? And so, you know, there's a lot of really amazing companies that have come up, you know, both on the charging infrastructure side, on the hardware side and the software side that are, you know, developing technology and solutions to help answer those questions and solve those problems. And, you know, I'm really excited to, to be a part of that. And, you know, we think we have a pretty unique way of approaching the market and helping with fast charging infrastructure and, and putting it in, in areas where it makes sense and where people will want to charge their vehicles. You know, I think right now, uh, electric vehicle charging is a very mundane experience. You know, you typically go to a charger site to charge your vehicle and there's really nothing around you. There's no dynamic experience to lean on. Typically, you're sitting in your car just, you know, waiting for the, the kilowatts to, to fill the tank and uh, to fill the battery. And it's, it's almost like watching grass grow, right? 
you spoke to it earlier about convenience and people being able to have, to have things accessible. What's really interesting is that, you know, there's different websites now and even apps that, you know, will show you where these are. And even if they're available, which I thought was really interesting, I don't, I don't own an electric vehicle uh, just yet. <laughs> it's hopefully going to be in my future at some point, but it's really interesting to see, you know, you can even see which ones are available, right? Because unlike, you know, gas stations, you know, even though a tank may not be available right away when you get there, you know, more than likely within two to three minutes available, but that's not necessarily the case with these. What would you say, you know, even like in an, a dense urban area or a large city or just in general, what's the ratio to like maybe DC uh, fast charging comparative to like level two? Is it like one to 10 or I mean, more than that, I guess? Oh, yeah. So, you know, in, a, in an urban environment, you know, I'd say 85% of your charging infrastructure is level two chargers. And, you know, that's even that's even counting, you know, Tesla supercharger locations, which they've started to put in more, you know, uh, more urban areas. But that's got to shift rapidly. And the reason why is, is that there are more electric vehicles that are coming to market that have larger capacity batteries. And that, you know, can only be supported by DC fast charging. And you have more, more millennials and, you know, younger folks that, that want to be good stewards in the environment and want to have an electric vehicle because of, you know, the impact it has on, you know, that, that internal combustion engines have on climate change. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the way that we see it is, you have to have that co-located with a you know quick serve or or fast casual a restaurant so that you are giving people something to do while they charge their vehicle and so that their dining time can align or their retail shopping time can align with the amount of time it's going to charge for their vehicle and you know it's difficult to put DC charging infrastructure in a multifamily property most property owners you know it's unless someone's someone else is paying for it or they're able to get revenue from it, aren't really going to, you know, focus on that. You know, it's, it's going to have to be centered, you know, in that type of ecosystem where it's, you know, along major transit routes. Um, it's, it's outside of the, the, the home. It's outside of the multifamily property. You can charge quickly and conveniently, kind of like you, you do when you go to a gas station, right? right. Uh, essentially, these EV charging stations, as you know, I like to call them are going to be the charging stations of the future or the, the service stations of the future. Yeah, and I, I think even to add on to that, when we talk about the emergence of autonomous vehicles and things of nature, you know, even though it may not be something that's right around the corner, you know, that that is inevitable. And I think when it comes from when it comes to a safety standpoint, you know, refueling an autonomous vehicle you know, at an EV charging station as opposed to a gas station or even a specialized gas station for only for autonomous vehicles, it's going to be safer in the long run as well when it comes to to just that that particular process. And so, you know, it's interesting that you know seeing this emerge along with uh with other things as well is going to be a benefit. And and many times, especially when we think about commercial projects or office projects where people are going to be there for a long time. Uh, and like you mentioned before, and with respect to the DC uh, fast charging for retail and restaurant, uh, is a huge opportunity to benefit uh, and amenity to those customers, right? 
I'm not sure if, if you've seen or if you are there any free charging stations that exist at all or are all of them you know yeah no. I mean obviously if you're at your home you know it's not free but you're still getting you're still char- getting charged for electricity but right yeah so you know the charging infrastructure companies and I'm, I'm kind of gonna lump Tesla in here have moved away from free charging free you know free supercharging you know to be specific to Tesla and they're moving to a paid model. And the reason why is, is that they can make money off a paid model. It's, you know, it's a viable revenue stream. And, you know, there are different business models that have been, you know, tested in the market and some successfully, some not so successfully, you know, but most of them are paid. And, you know, unless it's subsidized by the property owner, to attract EV owners to, you know, park at their location or frequent their location, it's mostly paid. Now, there's one company that, you know, has done a pretty interesting job of this and, and has done pretty well with this, which is, you know, using advertising revenue to subsidize the cost of charging um, and provide free charging for for people in, you know, public areas like movie theaters and shopping malls and and whatnot. And so it's really, you know, um, paid through advertising dollars to cover the cost of charging. The problem with that is, is that, you know, it's the, the cost of charging changes, right? Your dependence on whether you can cover that is dependent on how much you can sell that advertising for. And that advertising space, you know, may not be able to justify what is needed to cover the cost of, you know, charging the vehicle. And indefinitely for level two, you know, for level two charging, it might make sense because it's, you know, it's, it's not as intensive. It's not as demand intensive, but for DC fast charging, you know, there could be challenges with that because, you know, your cost of energy is a little bit more, you're using a lot more energy. So, you know, I think that the, the market's moving to a paid model. I don't expect that if you equate it to a, a, a gasoline powered vehicle, that any of the oil and gas companies would provide free gasoline. And, you know, (laughs) I think that some of the EV infrastructure companies are kind of catching on and and saying like, well, what, you know, they're, why would we be giving away like, you know, free energy? It doesn't make sense at this point, Uh, but there are different ways to to do that. And there are different ways to monetize it. I know that, you know, Electrify America uh, for new EV owners, they give them, you know, a credit, or some sort of incentives to charge at their charging stations. But, you know, that's that's a Volkswagen diesel gate money that, you know, that needs to get spent. I think that the business model is, is still evolving. And, you know, I don't think that there is one particular right business model yet. And I think that there's an opportunity for everyone to be successful in the market, whether they decided, you know, use a paid advertising model or to cover charging or a paid model, you know, with a time use structure or something like that. It makes me think about, you know, even beyond lead projects or green building projects, you know, just your typical, you know, new construction project or even existing building that's, you know, going through an expansion or major renovation around, you know, some of the requirements that could be implemented from a policy standpoint to expand or, or grow this Obviously, like I mentioned before, in some of the green building programs, they and, and it's many times optional 
So for instance, if you're talking about lead and you're talking about electrical uh, vehicle uh, charging stations and or green vehicles is being able to offer those tenants or those customers or clients or visitors a certain percentage of the parking capacity dedicated to that. What are some of the, the challenges do you see with you know, implementing policies around vehicle electrification infrastructure for new construction or existing building projects? Yeah, no, well, the, you know, the first thing is that there, there really is none. And it's really at the discretion of the building owner, whether they want to install the infrastructure or not. And, and it's jurisdictional too as well. So it depends on the HJA and like, you know, how they value EV charging infrastructure. So I can tell you in California, they're a bit more progressive, but it still varies from, from municipality to municipality. You know, there, there's a requirement that, you know, per, you know, X amount of parking stalls that a certain percentage of those have to have electric vehicle charging assigned to them. But if you were to go to a different you know, jurisdiction, it would be completely different. So I think having an alignment, you know, across jurisdictions would be a good start. And, you know, and, uh, you know, making it a bit more mandatory for built new building, you know, new buildings to increase the amount of uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure year over year makes more sense versus, you know, okay, well, we, we fulfill the requirement by the, you know, by the jurisdiction by having, you know, four vehicle, you know, EV chargers there. But I think, you know, the legislative, the regulatory and legislative arm could look at this and say, well, you know, given the growth of EVs that, you know, we're going to experience, you know, more, you know, more stalls that can accommodate electric vehicles have to be increased by a certain percentage year over year to be able to, to make up for that and support that. But, you know, I think that, you know, the opportunity for uh, software companies uh, that know how to integrate like myself and, you know, what we're doing at ChargeNet, you know, help alleviate that, that stress and take the burden off of, you know, building owners who are really focused on, you know, making sure that their buildings are tenant occupied and that they're you know, providing, you know, good experience for, for their tenants, you know, puts, puts the burden on us because we, we know how to value this, we know how to monetize it, and we know how to, you know, create the, the ecosystem to be able to, to support that type of infrastructure. So I think that there's um, more that can be done. I think that more will be done. And it's just a matter of time. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of change that we've experienced will help motivate that you know, with everything that's happening with, you know, the coronavirus and, and, and the pandemic and, you know, a lot of the shift from, you know, working in, a, in, a, in an office environment to now you know, either working in a hybrid environment or, you know, just at home completely in a remote environment, you know, it's changed, it changed our priorities. And I think the priority is going to shift from, you know, having electric vehicle charging at, you know, the office to, you know, just having it, you know, around town where you can go access it like you would going to a mobile or, or Chevron or a Shell station, right? You can now go to, you know, a charge net station that's at, uh, at you know, a, a, at a fast food restaurant and, you know, plug in your vehicle, you know, order your food on the, the charger kiosk and have your food brought out to you so you don't get exposed uh, by having to walk inside 
you know, and be in an enclosed environment. So, you know, we're constantly evolving in the models. We're constantly evolving to adapt to, to our environment and, and the way that our society is operating and, and shifting. And, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the market and, you know, legislators and, and regulatory agencies will have to adjust to that in the same way also. Yeah, no, definitely. Another thing that comes to mind as well is, uh, and I'm not sure if you've seen this at all, it would be whether or not these charging stations, you know, whether they're some of the newer ones or older ones, level two DC fast charging, are they able to collect data from those stations to better inform future development? Or, you know, as you mentioned before, when you talk about the variable pricing model uh, around who's using those, how long that they're staying there and, you know, things of that nature. Because I, I think where this comes into play, it becomes really critical is when building owners and managers start to utilize these as kind of battery storage for potential use for, for building consumption as well to offset. So do you know if, they're, if they, they have that capability and if they're using any of that data at all? Yeah. So, you know, I think the infrastructure companies are using that data to, you know, to optimize how they're, you know, they're infrastructure works and and also you know how to strategize how it's going to be used in the future but i think it's you know it's specific to those integrators so like chargepoint or evgo or green lots or electrify america is going to gather the data that they have and use it you know specifically for how they feel it's going to best serve them and serve their business models I think, you know, there's some sort of general data that that is being provided to uh, to utilities. I think to utilities are getting a lot of good feedback from the market on, you know, how infrastructure providers and integrators are, are you know, using their technology and their hardware and um, how they're, you know, using the grid for that, that energy. You know, and, and, and I think at this point the the, the utilities, at least in California, have, you know, done some really creative rate structuring to incentivize integrators and infrastructure, you know, EV infrastructure companies to to want to install more infrastructure. And that at a certain point, you know, that that's going to evolve and change and and that, you know, they're going to get input from the market on what needs to happen to best adapt to, you know, how. Uh, the growth in, you know, EVs or growth in, you know, in uh, destination charging or, you know, home charging or office charging is, you know, is going to affect them. And, you know, the, the big conversation is around vehicle to grid integration, right? And, you know, Europe has it, they do it fairly well. They found, you know, really creative ways of being able to integrate EV batteries to dispatch to participate in grid services. And, you know, we're just starting here to scratch the surface on, you know, how that works. And, you know, there are a few pilots that are out and about that are that are looking at that. But with the way that, you know, our utility grids are, you know, structured in the way that they operate, you know, it's still going to take some time for that to flush out and, you know, give the utility the feedback to be able to, to help support that technology. Because, Ultimately, you know, if you can use EV batteries as a generation or, you know, variable load source to support 
ancillary services or, you know, grid resiliency, then, and, and incentivize, you know, EV drivers to, to participate in that when their EV is charged or, you know, is charging or when it's parked or in different scenarios, then, you know, there's a, there's a massive value that happens when you can, you know, aggregate, uh, like, say, for example, in 2030, aggregate 5 million EV batteries at different points of time in the day to help support, you know, a hot day or, you know, a, a grid outage or something like that. So I think that the infrastructure companies and, you know, and, and integrators want to be able to do more with their technology. And there's a lot of good, you know, valuable feedback and exchange that that's happening with the different agents, state agencies here in California and, and, you know, other state agencies, you know, across the U.S. that, you know, that are, you know, helping moving the, the conversation and the, um, the, the use case forward. But I think the first thing is just getting the infrastructure in is really important. You know, getting that in first, getting people to use it is the most important thing. Yeah, education is always a, a huge piece, you know, whether it's, you know, this particular topic or just green building in general. Uh, and that goes a long way, not only from the people that are designing and implementing, but obviously the users as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because they are the ones that are going to be creating that demand for the market. So, yeah, no, this is uh, this has been, you know, a really great conversation and a lot of things around the microgrid and also vehicle uh, charging, electric vehicle charging can be beneficial, you know, across the board. And obviously, from an economical standpoint where it makes sense for those buildings, owners and managers is something that they can implement that can not only benefit those customers or clients or visitors, but even, you know, help them with their bottom line as it relates to being able to have uh, additional resiliency, as well as opportunities for, for growth in the future as they expand their portfolios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. It was great to have you again today and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon. For all of our listeners, we'll, we'll provide a lot of these resources that we, we talked about on the show. Uh, so you can check it out on our website online. But until next time, have a good one. We'll talk again, Tosh. Thanks again for having me, Mike. Really appreciate it. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to 3P Theory with Mike Brown. If you like our show and want to know more, check out 3Ptheory.com or please leave us a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Join us next time for more insightful knowledge on high-performance building design.